you exited a startup about eight years ago, became a passive real estate and private equity investor. You invested in an LP, more than 30 deals with multiple different operators. You sold a previous startup. Is that what launched your passive investing career? We did 3D imagery for diamonds, hardware, software for fluorescent diamonds and trading them around the world. We had someone managing everything, but still we got phone calls about, well, these guys left and they ruined stuff and these guys are laying their payments and we need to evict them. And at the same time, we're getting this passive income from these syndications that we invested in, it's like generating better returns and we're not doing anything. Why the hell would we want to do anything but that. Latanya Hav is a Navy veteran and tech founder who exited a startup and became a passive real estate and private equity investor. Latan has invested as a limited partner in over 30 syndicated deals across multiple asset classes and operators. He created a software called Visor, a powerful platform designed to help passive investors keep track of their investments with ease. Investing actively in real estate, there's risk, but there's also returns. But what people don't take into account is that it's actively working. The price of these assets is derivative directly from the value of the asset. And I say that because if you compare it to the public markets, the price of the public markets usually has nothing to do with the underlying assets, but rather from supply and demand of those public market securities. Not to mention the fact that sort of it's 24 seven job. I have family, I have kids, like I'm with, I'm work-life balanced doesn't really exist. I think that people forget the reason they invest, right? The reason isn't to generate more zeros. The reason is. If you could do us a favor and hit that subscribe button wherever you listen to podcasts, it helps grow our reach and it makes a huge difference in the quality of guests that we're able to bring to you. Latanya Hav, welcome to the Truly Passive Income Podcast. How are you, sir? Thanks, guys. I'm super excited to be here talking about passive income as a passion for me. So I love it. Today, we've got Latanya Hawes, who, among a lot of other things, is a passive investor, limited partner in multiple syndications with multiple operators. We're starting to dig into that and hear more about um, what your accomplishments are. My understanding, and please tell me if I'm wrong here, you're a Nate veteran, tech founder. You exited a startup about eight years ago, became a passive real estate and private equity investor. You're invested in an LP, more than 30 deals with multiple different operators. Um, obviously, you learned a lot of valuable lessons along the way. So along the way, you've also created a software called Visor. Excited to hear about that, what that can do for other people that are invested into passive syndication deals as well. Anything I missed there so far? Perfect. It sounds like you, you sold a previous startup and that, is that what launched your passive investing career? Yeah. After the Navy, I went to school, studied law and business, and then founded a company during my last year of school with a co-founder during those studies. In a crazy industry, we did 3D imagery for diamonds, hardware, software for fluorescent diamonds and trading them around the world. Anyway, we sold that company in 2015, made some money, didn't make tens of millions of dollars, but we made enough. And at that point, we were bombarded with a lot of people wanting to manage our money. And we didn't make enough to have a family office, but we made enough to want to deploy it. And so I live in Israel, right? And in Israel, it turned out that every second person here invests in real estate abroad through a person or a guy they know. And we started to meet with friends and talk with other people who sold companies and had some money and how they deployed it and started to get into that. And actually the, our first, me and my co-founder do almost everything together. So our first two investments were two single family homes in Ohio. Like active, single family rentals, long term. Like we'd never seen them before. These were like full turnkey, lower income neighborhood rentals. And 
at the same time, like after we did those two deals, we also invested with some guys we know as an LP in their deals, like multifamily value ad type deals. And then like both of them started to go progress in cash flow, and then just like got every other month got hit in the face with stuff we had to deal with those two single family homes and you no know, tenants and property management companies. And even though it was like, it was totally remote, like we had someone managing everything, but still we got phone calls about, well, these guys left and they ruined stuff and these guys are laying their payments and we need to evict them. And at the same time, we're getting this sort of passive income from these syndications that we invest in, it's like generating better returns and we're not doing anything. Like, why the hell would we want to do anything but that? And so these two single family homes, they were with us for a few years because we just couldn't get rid of them. Okay. And we just, at some point, just sold them for a loss like a year and a half ago. And then since then, we just decided only passive, only not just like, not real estate, like, I mean, everything's real estate, like so storage and ground up development and some funds and other stuff like that and some startups as well in crypto. And that's what we did over the years. And we learned a lot, but that's sort of the quick rundown of how we got into real estate and passive income. It's so interesting to hear you start that way. I think we've heard different versions of that exact same story so many times from so many different people about, especially I had nine single family homes, not in section eight areas, but not much better. On paper, everything looks good. You've got cash flow coming in. You can buy them for a very low amount and the cash flow is king. That's going to make up for everything else. But the reality is every time you have somebody move out, you walk in and there's a door kicked in or the capital expenditures start to go up or you're faced with an eviction and you lose months of occupancy and things like that. You're cash flow can be wiped out in no time. And the lesson there for me, which obviously the hard way, eventually I got a multifamily and you got into multifamily to short rental conversions and then into self-storage and larger multifamily and things like that is the same headaches that you have with those single family homes can happen in multifamily properties or self-storage or anything else. But it's so much less impactful on your overall investment when you have 50 units or 500 units with a self-storage facility and things like that. The headaches are still there, but the economies of scale that come along with that allow you to mitigate some of that risk along the way. And the reality is single family homes, that's a long, long road to not make a lot of money. And it can go away very quickly. I mean, yeah. So, so the way I, yeah, I totally agree. The way I put it is that it's okay. I think that the, there is potential investing, investing actively in real estate. There's risk, but there's also returns. But what people don't take into account is that it's actively working. There's nothing passive. And I say, if you give up passiveness, the risk return needs to be exponentially larger. And if it's not, it's not worth to give up the passiveness. And that's something we define to ourselves. So it's not that it's wrong or right to do it any other way, just to understand there is this whole spectrum of passive active that people don't really take into account. They just look at the risk, return, the potential, like it's real estate. Oh God, I can make, I can be rich because all the millionaires, billionaires are made it from real estate. That's fine. But people just don't understand how much work goes into that. And if that's what you want to do, that's fine. But we just decided we did not. Like we wanted to be passive, focus on other things. We're tech guys. We like building companies. We like solving like solving inefficient problems with technology. We want to find just people we can trust to invest with. So we spend time doing what we hope we're good and what we like. So you came up through the tech world. That's your bread and butter. That's where you made the majority of your income. Two questions for you. Why not just keep reinvesting that money back into the tech companies and why, what drew you to real estate aside from, I mean, I know a lot of people in real Israel 
invest, but what drew you to real estate? So first of all, it's a, it's a, I'll start from the second part of the question. It's real, it's real assets. The price of these assets is derivative directly from the value of the asset. And I say that because if you compare it to the public market, the price of the public markets usually has nothing to do with the underlying assets, but rather from supply and demand of those public market securities. And so when you buy a real asset, it's it's harder to do. Like it's again, the passive active, it's a lot more passive just to buy a REIT if we're already talking about real estate, it's easier. But also the risk return spectrum is totally different than investing passively in, as an LP and then so on. So real estate for us was like that way to be passive, but also achieve that risk reward philosophy that we were looking for or metrics we were looking for. Now, when you talk about investing in tech, when you build a startup, there's always a question, do you bootstrap it? Just put your own money in and then grow, but you're usually going to grow very slow and there's a lot of risk involved in it. And there are many times people, companies, venture capital firms, that's what they do, right? They have capital to deploy into companies. They know the risk. And then we can leverage that capital to grow faster, build bigger companies, reach more people. And so my risk in a startup is my time. I prefer to diversify my risk and put it elsewhere. And also it'll probably, it won't really help the company as, as much as bringing in VC money into the company. I don't know if that makes sense, but that's like the way we saw investing. Gotcha. So you can diversify your risk away from the thing that you're working actively in by bringing in outside capital investors and then so you're and then redeploy your capital that you would be tying into that at a in non-diversified and now you're into a more diversified asset class with a different operator, different geography, an entirely different industry. 100%. Also, like, keep in mind, startup founders take extreme risk, even though they're not putting in money. They're taking a lot more risk than anyone else who puts in money because we're risking our time where we probably could be doing more money during the years we put into the sweating, a sweat of like building a company, probably could make more just going working somewhere as a W2 in a bigger tech company. So my risk is huge. Not to t- mention the fact that sort of it's 24 seven job. I have family, I have kids, like I'm with, I'm work-life balance doesn't really exist. So anyway, it's, there's so many other risks I take that I don't think my, the money I have should also be added to that risk at this point. Absolutely. Maybe if I had tens or hundreds of millions of dollars, I think differently, but I'm not in that position yet. We kind of talk about it. Like the risk that you're taking, it's, it's an interesting situation. So we have a lot of people that are working to get to the point that you've so successfully reached already. A lot of people, if you know what your ceiling is in say a W2 job in the software space, you know what that ceiling is and you know what can, you can accomplish there. That the real risk is if, if that ceiling is not high enough for you to reach your goals in life, then the real risk is not doing anything. At that point, you know that you need to try to do something bigger and better to accomplish what you want to in the long run. So you've taken that risk and it's like in real estate to have any level of success, you have to have time, experience, and money. In this situation, you're looking for people to invest their capital for you to use your time, which is of these two things is the only non-reviewable resource, along with your experience to try to generate something where the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. So put in a situation where creates value for you, for the investors, and obviously for the consumers of the product that hopefully then can be sold or leveraged or subscription based uh, to get to the point of profitability. 
It's really interesting to hear you talk about that, where you're putting in your time and it's such a risk for you, but you're doing it and successfully in the past to create enough value that you can passively invest that money that you're getting out of to buy your time back. But Neil, he reminds me all the time of this, that the capital that we have coming in being invested into our syndication deals or that we invest into other people's syndication deals is the store of life energy. People have spent time away from their family doing things that they didn't want to do and sacrifice their time to get that capital, to get that money. And so it's our responsibility to make sure that we take care of that and we use it in the right way to multiply that for the, those people because the idea is eventually they're getting their time back. So for you, it, it feels like this is something that you're front loading a tremendous amount of time, a tremendous amount of experience and energy with the idea of creating capital that for you, at least for now, you've invested passively in a way that can continue to work for you and you get the rest of your time back. Is that fair? Yep. hundred percent. I think that people forget the reason they invest, right? The reason isn't to generate more zeros. The reason is to generate more freedom so you can do the things you're passionate about doing, right? So hundred percent. And that's time. So I totally agree. Yeah. The common theme that I'm hearing here is time. And even though our podcast is called Truly Passive Income Podcast, it's not really about the income. As you just alluded to, it's about so much bigger than that. The idea of the income being able to, by itself, financial independence is, it's fine. It's great. It's, and it's achievable. But the way that we believe it about it in our core values is that it's only important when it comes along with location and time independence that creates an overarching independence of purpose where you go where you want, do what you want when you, and things like that. So that's kind of the overall theme of what we're going for. So it's really unique that you've developed sulfur in the past with diamonds to create income. And now you're looking to passively invest that. And that's really what I'm looking at when I'm reading about your software advisor earlier and the way that that is implemented with other people that have very creative investing strategies that can cover everything from crypto to to silver and gold, to, to limited partnerships and things like that, that it's essentially a way for people to get, to get their time back in terms of the management of that. It was interesting to see that segue in the way that you've, you've accomplished that. Talk to us a little bit about Visor. Yeah. So at some point three years ago, so like you mentioned, we were investing in, in a bunch of different deals with different operators, different logins to different portals to see our positions and all that stuff. In addition to everything else we have with leverage and bank accounts. And at some point about three years ago, our spreadsheets just began to break and we just started to spend so much time time right and being the common denominator and just time managing it all like i get an email from an operator and i would remember how much i invested and what i expected to receive and these are good problems to have right but still it's like a, we just spent time oh shit, what was this and then if we even if i'd remember a week or two later i'd get money into my bank account one of those bank accounts and like, oh shit, what, what's this related to? And best case, I'd go dive into it. Worst case, I'd say, all right, screw it, it'll be all right. I'll get the K1 at the end of the year and that'll be enough. But at some point we said, oh, this doesn't make any sense. Like we're, we've worked hard to generate this, this money and just like ignoring the situation of it just doesn't make any sense. And so we said, all right, let's just build ourselves a piece of software to automate everything we have, receive those emails and understand what it's related to. We'll sync in my bank accounts and identify transactions and link those to the specific investments and project cash flow and a bunch of other stuff like that. And, and while we were building that for ourselves, a bunch of friends wanted it as well. We're like, wait, there might be a whole new business here. How many people are there like us in the world? 
And researching the industry, specifically in the U.S., we found that millions of people like this. And they're like, hold on. If there are so many people like us that are in the same situation, don't have a solution because they're not rich enough to have a family office, but they are wealthy enough to have a complex portfolio, meaning they have, they're accredited investor and they invest as an LP in deals. All right, let's build this for them as well. And so we decided to raise money and formalize a startup that, that's called Visor for that. So that's the idea of basically of Visor is keeping passive investing passive, ah. essentially. So there are a lot of investment management tools available in the market today. And I'm trying to think of, I mean, there's things, there's just financial tracking like Mint or personal capital, things like how, what sets Visor apart from them? Yeah, I'd say there are about 1,500 of these apps or platforms out there that do like what Mint and personal capital do, different phases of the, end of the, the sort of wealth. I'd say that those companies, all of them are basically focused on the mass market. So most people don't invest as, as LPs in syndications. Most people don't have complex portfolios. Most people have a 401k, a car, house maybe, maybe some crypto. Like that's the mass, that's mass market and, and that's fine, right? But there's enough solutions for them. Once you cross the threshold into being like a more complex or sophisticated investor, and I just mean someone who just made a few private investments as an LP, into a, an angel investment in a startup, some more crypto holdings, some real estate. That's where it just becomes complex. Uh, and so if you use Mint or personal capital, you're still gonna maintain a spreadsheet because you have to have a place to manage everything because when tax season comes up, you wanna have everything in place. Like your K1 need to be in a good Dropbox folder, right? Or Google Drive. You, like everything needs to be organized and these platforms, it's just not worth it for them to build a product that caters for that audience. Because, you know, when you look at the whole population worse, like a few million people, that's not worth building, like adding on features for a massive product like Mint or Personal Capital. And so that's where we come in. We mentioned just a couple of them. What are the different types of investment assets that, that Pfizer can manage? So it's anything from like active real estate, passive real estate, managed funds, ATM funds, any type of... Any type of private placement, startups, private equity, hedge funds. You can also sync in your bank accounts and all the reg regular sort of brokerage accounts, retirement accounts, like 16,000 financial institutions. And you can also add crypto and precious metals and cars and boats and bank accounts around the world. So everything you can imagine that you put in a spreadsheet or you want to sync, we have. Now, obviously, there's a lot of things we're always adding. The idea is to give that holistic approach. And not just like the dashboard of showing you stuff, but being smarter than that and also an analyzing the data. So like I mentioned, we have this concierge type approach where you just get an email from any investment you've done and you just forward it to Visor or you upload it into what we call this magic box. And then we'll analyze, upload it, update stuff for you. And then you'll link in your bank account. And like I mentioned, we'll identify transactions and link them automatically to specific investments. And also one of the, one of the cool things, like when you have these multiple passive income streams and you also have expenses because you probably have leverage as well as stuff like that, it's hard to project cash flow. I know how much cash I have today, but I want to understand how my cash will look in the next years to come based on all my expectations from my different holdings. Now that's hard to build. And so we've built out that projection, but also adding the ability for people to add scenarios. Like what happens if I put a hundred thousand into this fund or this operator? How will that my cash flow moving forward? What happens if these guys are late by five months? What happens if these don't deliver? There's like all these scenario planning aspects and something really, really cool we launched 
and I, when we were at Best Ever, I think, I don't know if we spoke about that, but one of the things we launched a few weeks ago was what we call benchmarking or the community aspect of advisor, showing our members where other members are investing anonymously. Like what asset allocation people have across the board advisor. So we have almost $2 billion tracked on the platform. So imagine all that money, how it's allocated in different asset classes. But then in each asset class, which operators, which syndicators, which funds are people investing? How much money has been investing to each of those funds? How many investments? Just sharing that information transparently between investors. So, well, and it's such that's always been such a that's such limited partnerships have always been such an opaque market. You've got people don't talk about. I mean, some people do, but they generally don't talk about what they're invested in. Oh, I'm or they only talk about the ones that are doing well. There you go. Yep. And so, and even then, you don't really know if it's true or not. Yeah, <laughs> <It's> like... <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and at least with Visor, it's anonymous, so you know you're really just getting a performance of the. I'm sh- assume the at- does it drill down to a specific product? Are you able to look in and see how the different projects are doing anonymously, or is it only the operator and the asset class? So at the moment, it's the operator and the asset class. This just that's the first approach, but we will launch some other drill downs into that. And we don't even, at the moment, we don't want to go into performance yet because performance is a tricky metric. We just show at the moment how much money has been invested into each of these operators, how many investments have been done. So then you can see what's the average investment. And then you get a sense for, oh, well, this is a legit operator. And we also want to add discussions. Let me talk with people that are invested with this operator, with advisor anonymously. Gotcha. Uh, so you don't know who the person is. But you can chat with them anonymously. Exactly. Interesting. Oh. That's valuable. Yeah. The idea, again, like you said, it's super opaque. The whole private market investing is very difficult to understand. There's no transparency whatsoever. And for many reasons, right? All, reasons also because of like compliance or regulation. But because we also know how much money people have and if they're accredited or not, we also can decide, yeah, this person is reached the level where they can be exposed to this and this information. And this one is not probably it. Um, so there's, there's many places we want to take this issue. We want to bring value to the industry so that people can make better decisions when they passively invest. One of the tools I was looking at earlier when I was reading over it that I found incredibly interesting is that when you're looking at different syndications and from an LP standpoint, you're looking at returns and timeline and things like that. But the tool that allowed you to look at when distributions were coming, whether it was quarterly, kind of had a wave pattern, the quarterly distribution versus the monthly versus the annual or the biannual and putting a portfolio together of different deals with different operators to generate kind of the consistent cash flow that you're looking for from a passive investing standpoint. Because once you get into the, especially as an LP, you get into the syndication space, you can have a lot of peaks and valleys there. That was the first time visually I've seen you be able to kind of, to shave the tops off the mountains and fill in the valleys and build out a portfolio with different, we always talk about, diversification across asset class, geography, and operator. And this is a, another layer of that that I think about it. It's across asset class, geography, operator, and distribution cycle. It's going to give you cash flow in a very stable way over the long term. That's the first time I've seen that visualized on one platform across a lot of different offerings. I thought that was incredibly interesting. Thanks. Yeah, it is. For us, I mean, I, I can't live for me, like me and my co-founder, like we, we cannot live now without, without this stuff. I will not go down back to the spreadsheet. Yeah. Well, what you really, what you're really talking about, 
Clint, is diversifying across asset class, operator, geography, and time. Right. Is what people are trying to do. And often there's, I don't know if people, you've ever heard of people creating CD ladders or bond ladders and things like that, where you basically time the exit of a bond to basically pay out so that you've got a consistent level of income. And that's essentially at, at a much more complicated scale. That's what you're having to do with your private placements. Right. And there's also one more aspect that isn't talked about a lot, and that's not just distribution, but also capital calls sometimes, right? And sometimes you invest with these operators that I'll even have a capital call schedule because it's a ground up development type deal or stuff like that. And then I mean, it's fine if you miss the income, but if you've missed reminding yourself that there's going to be an outflow or expense, then you might be screwed, right? Because when you get a phone call, hey, you have 14 days to transfer the money. And I'm like, oh shit. I don't have this now. I have to go get a line of credit now to fund a deal. That doesn't make any sense. And so it's just complex when you start to manage these like multiple cash flow to them. Gotcha. All right. So obviously security is a major concern for investors when it comes to managing their financial data. How does Visor ensure that a user's data is secured and protected? So this might sound a little cliche, but like me, we're all military guys. So we didn't start building anything until we were sure like security and privacy. That's like for us, like foremost, we pay professional, I won't say hackers because that sounds bad, but professional companies that what they do is they check vulnerability for other companies like us and they'll give us like the drill down of where we're vulnerable and we're really good at that. We do that every few months just to make sure we're super secure and all the data is encrypted and, and it's just like. For us, that's like above and beyond. Like that's the most important aspect of the platform, security and privacy. So like we're confident on that front. So this might be a little bit of a silly question, but obviously you talk about in different investors be able to see where different people are putting their money and what deals and operators they're into and things like that. In terms of identifying new opportunities and for people looking outside of what they're currently invested into. If someone's looking at a deal that someone on Visor is not currently invested in, they take that offering and they want to link it into their Visor profile. Like, how does that work in terms of showing up on the platform and other people being able to look at that and kind of see how that integrates from the first time a new offering pops up and comes into the to the platform? Right. So this is something tricky. And again, our objective is to bring as much value as we can to our members, and that also means that many of them come and ask us, hey, if you have any deal flow, let us know. On the other hand, we don't want to be compensated for deals because we don't want to have a conflict of interest. And so we don't want to be presumed as, as a company that pushes deal flow. Even if we say we're not getting anything from it, people assume that we're lying. And so we don't want to push deal flow. But there's this cash 22, how do we revalue without being seen as a company that, that, uh, that has a conflict of interest? And so... One of the things we're thinking about, and we don't have this set up yet, is we have this list in our community, in our benchmarking side of all these operators in different asset classes and how much money people have invested and how many investments have been done. We're thinking about just adding some sort of symbol or an even number of active deal flow, meaning these are the operators that people have invested in. This is the, this and these have deal flow. You can click and see it and you can go to the operator, whatever. We don't want anything from that. And that will create win-win win-win scenarios because we have a bunch. You can imagine where right? we have a bunch of syndicators and operators reaching out to us and asking, "Well, can we push deal flow through your platform to your investors?" And on the other hand, we also have investors looking for deal flow sometimes, but they want it to be vetted. So it's a complex. It's a good question. It's not silly at all. And the answer is, we'll get there and we'll find a way to do it without any conflict of interest. 
That's the biggest thing that I see. Two things that jump out to me is number one, deals and operators being vetted through your system from other people that have already done it. That's extremely valuable information to have. And on top of that, you guys have positioned yourself essentially as a positive negative feedback loop with the people you have that have money going out, people that have money coming in. You've created a really impressive data source here in terms of these are highly educated and successful investors you have on your platform. To be able to put all that data in one place to see where their money's going, when it's coming back and the different operators and also vetting the people that they've kind of given the thumbs up to, I have no doubt that they're going to get there. That's uh, that's extremely exciting about the future, in my opinion. You've created yourself as like a lightning rod for high-level operators and also for intelligent investors. Yeah, there's a win-win situation. Like we have GPs sending their LPs to use Visor and... There's a net creates a win-win, right? The LPs get value. And then when they use the platform, the GPs are then ranked because there are more of their LPs using it. And then it's, it just creates this really powerful network effect that we think is just a win-win, right? Unless it's a bad operator. And then it's a bad operator. Then they're they, wishing you know. they hadn't sent their people to Visor. <laughs> they are. Yeah. yeah. So well, That'll come out in the long run. That's the beauty of it is that it, yeah. it'll become evident one way or the other. Exactly. Do you have any success stories or examples of how Visor has helped investors improve their financial outcomes? We had people get rid of their spreadsheets and thanked us and said, we, they've, been, they've been waiting their whole lives for a platform like this. We've had people not even noticing that they were they never even were receiving distributions because they just forgot to check, right? And when they look once a year, that's too late. They ask the GP, hey, what's happening with my distributions? Like what, when you add a new asset to Visor, we'll create this distribution schedule and then as time goes by, if we didn't identify a transaction in your bank account at the end of the quarter, the beginning of the quarter, the end of the quarter, we'll raise a flag saying, hey, you didn't get a distribution. And so then they can reach out to the GP, hey, what's happening? We didn't get, or it's underperforming or overperforming, which is amazing, right? But many situations where, because it's a mess, like we have people with hundreds of LP position and, or we also people just like around 10 and both sides get value from it at different levels. So what's the cost for the investor? Yeah, so we charge an annual subscription or a monthly subscription, which is fixed, either nine fifty a year or ninety nine a month, and that includes everything. We don't have any tiers or anything like that because we don't want we don't want to, we don't want it to be based on assets, on complexity because then we're incentivized to convince you to do stuff. So, just flat nine fifty a year, ninety nine a month, and I'm happy also to offer you sort of your listen as a discount. We can put a link in afterward if you want in the show notes. Okay. Thank you. Great. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that. Love that. So for sure. If you get to the point of, of needing this level of organization in in your portfolio, I think it would not take, I think everyone would agree that's a drop in the bucket compared to the value it can provide. And again, at the end of the day, this is coming down to time exactly. uh, at its most base form. So let me ask a question that backs up a little bit and, and kind of zooms out. You started with software and then you made the jump. Obviously, you had success in business and, and sold a, a product that put you in a position of having money to invest. And it's kind of at that point in time, you started your journey in real estate investing. Instead of a lot of the people that we talk to start off wholesaling or flipping or whatever, and eventually get to the point that you are as a passive investor. For somebody else in your shoes that's listening to this as a consumer, as someone looking for truly passive investing strategies, is there any advice you have for that person as to what you looked at or how you, you kind of picked the path that you did or any advice you think that might save them time as they're going through the same process? 
So I think that investing passively obviously requires initial, some sort of initial capital, initial capital. People tend to think it's a lot larger than it is. It's not. I'm not just, I, mean, I think a few hundreds of thousands is a lot of money, but it's already enough from, from my mind to start investing passively in these types of deals. If your passion is in other places, if you're, you have a W2 or you own a business or stuff like that, I, I just think that people, like I said at the beginning, people forget that or don't even think about the fact that doing it actively might generate more wealth. It's also riskier, but it also requires a ton of time. And so that's from the allocation side of it. From from the, the you know, tactical aspect, I think the most important thing to do passively investing and what does take some time is finding people you can trust to invest with. Like that's the number one objective when we set out is finding we people we can trust. And that's either it was at the beginning just good friends of ours or good friends of good friends of ours. And then we expanded that sort of through people we met or through mastermind groups we joined through podcasts we listen to vetting those operators, those syndicators, GPs, like you guys, it's, it's, it's a really hard thing to do. And the best way to do is just to speak with as many people, find people you can trust. And then once you do that for me, like when I invest now, all I care about is the people I invest with. And once I trust them, it's just a numbers game. Do these numbers match my current strategy? I usually don't look into them. I don't care the asset person. I don't care what the asset class is. I don't care the geography of it. All I care about are the people and if the numbers match my strategy, how long it's going to be there, how many, how often is cash flow, what's the potential upside, those types of stuff. So that's that's my perspective of, of passive investing. Excellent. We often say that truly passive income come, only comes from taking your capital that you've already earned and investing it with an operator and trusting that team to execute their business plan. Exactly. And for me, it's always, I mean, for me, even now it's usually the smaller, like medium, small operators. I don't, I don't, I, I usually prefer not to invest with the big guys. That's just my, not, not good or bad. Just, I prefer the risk return just because I, I, I want to be, I want to make sure I know the people I invest with and I can speak with them and they don't have hundreds of investors and they don't have to provide deal flow every other week and they don't have nice offices with overhead. And that's just my approach. I really love your perspective and, and hearing your journey and how it's come full circle in the, the common denominator of, of time and the way you, you've built something to save your own time. But in, in, in a lot of ways, it sounds like it's going to end up saving the time of a lot of other people that are, that are looking for passive investing strategies. Yeah. Yep. Hope so. Well, Latanya Hoff, thank you so much for sharing with us your story and, and Visor as well. If anyone wants to find out more about you and Visor, what would be the best way for them to do that? Yeah, so pretty straightforward. You can head over to our website. It's vyzer.co, visor.co, or you can reach out to me, Litan, at visor.co, or Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter. I love connecting with other LPs, talking deals and stuff like that. So okay. we'll have all those links in the show notes. I'm good. All right, thanks, man. It's been great talking to you. Thanks, thanks so much. Guys. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening and watching the Truly Passive Income podcast. If you liked the show, if you think it would be useful for someone else, the greatest compliment that you could give us would be to share the episode, leave a comment down below, or leave us an honest review. If you have any questions, don't hesitate to let us know down below. And remember, with truly passive income comes freedom of time, place, and the freedom to pursue your higher purpose.